Happy Sabbath. I got a new car. Yep. I got a new car. My new car is 14 years old. Show you my car. Nice, huh? My car is 14 years old. My first baby was born in year 2000. My second baby daughter was born in year 2003. And this baby was born in 2006. Um, it's an old car I purchased from my in-laws for $1,000, but it's my f- favorite car of, of all time, okay? It's a fantastic and fantastic deal. Um, if you look at the outside of the car, it looks, it looks pretty decent, right? Yeah, for a 14-year-old car, it looks really decent. When you look in- inside, it gets quite interesting because... If you look at the driver's seat, you can tell this car is really old, okay? So, <laughs> there's like a, some real, real bubble on the leather seat. Um, and uh, if you look here, that's the driver's seat. Uh, it's really dirty, and I try to clean out the stain. I couldn't. Okay, it's just really dirty. Um, when I first got this car, I wanted to play music, and I realized there's no Bluetooth. <laughs> so the only way for me to play the music was actually for me to burn CDs. I don't remember the last time I burned CDs. Do you guys know what CDs are, young people? Um, so I had to burn CDs to play music, okay? But when you look in the back... It gets very interesting. When you look at the back seat, it's immaculate. It's perfect. Clean. It's as if nobody ever sat there. And of course, it is driven by my in-laws. Like nobody actually ever never sat there. Barely. If you look at my other cars, um, when you look in the back, the back seat is a disaster area. Why is it so dirty? There's like, um, like actually all the cars um, that I had ever since we had children, um, in the back... <laughs> Just trash all over the place. There's, there's drinks spilled all over. And um, there's like a nail polish stain all over the seat. Uh, one time, I found gum. Seriously? Who chews the gum and spit it out in the car? My car's all messed up. Why, why is the backseat so dirty um, all the time? No matter how many times I clean it or vacuum it, why is it always so dirty? We all know the answer. 
Our lives are not like the car I got from my in-laws. Well, the backseat of my car that I got from my in-laws. No one's life is immaculate and flawless. Our lives are messy and dirty. It doesn't matter how much we try or, or, or how hard we try, as long as we live in this sinful world, it'll always be dirty and messy. It'll never be perfectly clean. Some of you are like giving stinky eye to your, your children. You're like, yeah, obviously, um, my car is also dirty because of my children. Uh, I'm not trying to roast my kids, okay? That's not my goal. I'm not insinuating in any way that children are some evil force. No, okay? I'm not implying that the children are the problem. Uh, not at all. We love them and they are absolutely precious, right, Celeste? Um, however... <laughs> However, I do want to acknowledge the fact that there is evil force in this world. Someone wants to ruin our lives. There is an enemy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath and all the beautiful people here. Now, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in a series called Rooted. I don't know about you, but I've been super blessed by this series. Just like you, I'm going through the workbook and going to small groups. Um, By the way, there are a few books left, so if you need a workbook, go ahead and pick them up. Um, they're not free. You have to pay me 15 bucks, but that's nothing, right? Come on. Uh, this year in Loma Linda, our church, outreach is a big thing. We want to make sure that our church is not just about ourselves. Our church is about the community. We don't want to be in community. We want to exist for the community. You know what I mean? Okay, so this is what happened yesterday. Let me show you some pictures. Yesterday, yesterday, no. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so this was yesterday. Uh, I know that a lot of you brought a lot of old clothes and old shoes, and we've been collecting them for a long time. Um, Yesterday, uh, some of us, just one picture. Uh, some of us went to Arroyo Valley High School, as you can see, and dropped the, the items off. I didn't know this, but apparently this high school um, has the highest number of homeless high school students in the U.S. There was a story about this one girl who lived in a storage with her grandma. Okay? And this high school is 15 minutes away from our church. We want to exist for the community. Okay, we, 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 brought, we built this beautiful, huge 
church campus, and, and I want to make sure that we, we're not just here for ourselves, but we want to be here for the community. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're about. So quickly, um, I, I just want to give you a, a preview of what's going to happen today and next weekend. So during Rudis series, next weekend is actually about... So now that um, we know that there's an enemy, but, but, but we, we have a way to, way to deal with this, how will you live your life? So that's what's going to happen next weekend and the weekend after. Okay? What does God want from you in your life? And one of the things we're going to do is actually called service. We're going to serve. Today, during potluck, or right after potluck, I want every one of you to get involved. Every one of you, each and every one of you. We're going to make hygiene packages for homeless people. Okay? And we're going to take them next weekend. When we take the hygiene packages next weekend, what we're going to do is next weekend, some of us were asking you to join us to go feed the homeless in Riverside. Okay? And not just feed them, we're going to eat with them. So right after church, instead of going there and eating, we're hoping a lot of you will just join us and make food together and prepare them, take our packages that we make today. And next weekend, we're going to go to Riverside and feed the homeless. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. When was the last time you fed homeless? When was the last time you did, a, you did an outreach? I don't know. But we're giving all of you opportunity to go serve the community and serve the people. Is that clear what I'm trying to say? Yes? All right. All right. Then today is week five. You know, I don't like scary tactics, so I don't talk about him that much, but today, let's talk about him, okay? We have an enemy. Look at what Ephesians chapter 6 says. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Lucifer, or Satan, also known as the devil, has a scheme. Okay? The Greek word used for scheme is actually methodia. What does that sound like? Methodia. Sounds like what? Method, right? Yeah. Literally, it means evil plans. Okay? It means evil plans. We hear that God has a plan for you, right? God has a plan for us. Well, guess what? Satan has plans for you too. He's got some evil plans for each and every one of us to destroy us, to discourage us. So which plan would you like to follow? God's plan or Satan's plan? You know, there was a battle in heaven, but still, 
There is a battle here on earth and in our lives. Against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's easy to forget this reality. We know it's there, right? We know Satan is there. We know the tempter is there. We know that he got followers too as one-third of the angels apparently followed Satan, the devil's side. Loma Linda Church, the enemy is real. The Bible teaches that the whole world is under the rule of a powerful supernatural being called Lucifer or Satan, a.k.a. what? The devil. He's an absolute enemy of God and he's the ultimate deceiver. In Genesis, he's disguised himself as a serpent, deceived Adam and Eve, and seized their God-given domain over the planet. Now, he disguises and hides himself in, in many different forms and ways. Not just a serpent, but power, money, Diseases, disasters, McDonald's, you know, greed, busyness, apathy, self-glory, and more. We have an enemy, and he attacks us. Last weekend, Pastor Isaac gave a great sermon on where is God in the midst of suffering. Right? People ask all the time, uh, if this is God's world, why is there so much pain and suffering? If God is a loving Father, why do horrible things happen all around the world and in our lives? Is God really in control? Is He really good? How can we know God is good working, our, on, on, working on our behalf when we don't see anything good happening? These are some really important questions. And sometimes it seems like no answers are good enough and no answers sound satisfying, right? We read the Bible and we understand when we see what happened in Genesis. We, we understand it intellectually in our, in our minds. But we have a hard time dealing with it emotionally in our hearts. I pray that you went through the workbook this week because the workbook dealt very well with these questions. But here's the thing. Do you realize, do you realize that we are at war? Do you realize that we live, we live in a war zone? One of the primary answers the Bible gives to the problem of why bad things happen to good people is that we actually live in a spiritual war zone. We get so comfortable with our careers, with our lives, with our homes, and with our family that we forget about the spiritual battles that we have to fight each and every day. There are casualties 
We are wounded. We are hurt. We suffer because we face battles every day. We call this the great controversy. We call this the great controversy. Just read the Psalms and you'll know what I mean. And it seems to me many people in the Bible were not exempt from pain and suffering. They were fighting too. Followers of God also had trouble, uh, tragedy, and hardship just like everyone else. We are at war. We find from the Bible that God never promised we wouldn't experience hardship. But he did promise to never leave us. That we wouldn't be alone. This is why I cannot fully agree with the prosperity gospel. Yes, God blesses us. Well, God blesses us uh, not for our own sake, but so that we can be a blessing to others. However, God's main goal for our lives was not just comfort and ease. His goal for our lives was to walk with Him and commune with Him. He wants us to follow Jesus and love like Jesus. And those goals may require some hardship. But He says He hears our cries. Cries of pain and heartache. God never promised us will never cry or experience sorrow. In Psalm 56, verse 8, David writes, You keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears. You have recorded each one in your book. God hasn't forgotten about us. God hasn't stopped caring for us. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The fact is, we do not live in a perfect world. We have fallen, and the devil took dominion over this world. The enemy is real. Loma Linda Church, um, as we are aware of the fact that there is an enemy and we're at war, we should also be aware that God has everything under control. Okay? Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, the way we win, the cross is actually, in the, is the actually central figure. Um, it is incredibly important to understand that God was, is, and will be the winner of this war. Okay? God and Satan are not on equal footing. It's creator versus created. With the word, God can destroy all the evil force And we actually see that in Revelation chapter 19 at the end of the time, right? One thing we need to remember is that we've already won. Okay, here's the thing. There's a story that I want to tell you. I actually struggled. Like, even like coming here, I'm like, should I share this story or not? And this is a story which was told by my religion teacher at PUC. Um, It's the most gruesome and terrible story ever. And 
But I'm going to share this with you. You might be slightly traumatized after the story, but this is not a true story. There's no way it's a true story. But this is a powerful image that God has already won. So you're ready? If you're a uh, minor, please cover your ears. Um, there was this fierce battle, okay? There was this fierce battle. And um, just think about, think about um, Braveheart or, or Lord, if you're young, Lord of the Rings. Or, or if you're really young, then think about um, Star Wars, like Lightsaber. Mm, whatever. It's a bad sound, sorry. You know, like, so there's a general just like fighting in the war. Battles going on. There's, there's like arrows going all over the place. He's fighting. His people are fighting. And all over, there's blood all over. And it's a terrible scene. And with his sword, he's like killing people. And all of a sudden, somebody next to the general said, General. And he's like, what? And, uh, and the guy's like, General, what, what is that on your neck? And then apparently there's like a little line on the neck of the general. And the general said, my neck? And he looked down and boom! His head fell off. Okay. I know. I, I know some of you got traumatized and it's a terrible story. Um, but I do tell you this story because I want to have a powerful image of actually what happened to this war that we're talking about. When Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus became the central figure of salvation, this war, Satan has already lost. The devil is trying to just hurt us whatever he could. But the image that we need to think about is that the war is already, there are fierce battles to be fought, but the war, God has already won this war because Satan is already doomed. When Jesus died on the cross, we have won. There's just a little bit of this residue that we need to fight against, right? Some battles still remain because Satan wants to bring us down with him. These battles may mean different things to you. I don't know, like such as sickness, mental illness, betrayal, financial meltdown, relationship loss, marriage failure, natural disasters, Emotional despair. And other hardships. Christ assures us. When Satan and his forces. Toss our lives upside down. God's spirit. Fights with us. When we feel attacked. On all fronts. He fortifies us. He fortifies our efforts with his mighty power. Check this out. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to go on more, okay, from verses 14 through 17. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, Loma Linda Church, listen. Belt of, of truth. So I have some pictures for you. Here we go. Um, notice it's the belt which is right in the center, in the center of the body, and it holds everything together, right? The, the clothes, the, the, the weapons. Um, there are many truths in the Bible, but there is the truth in the Bible. What is it? Or who is it? Jesus says, I am the truth, the life, right? And the way. So, am I right? I'm the truth and the life and the, and, and the way, right? Okay. So, the belt of truth is about, it's about Jesus. Okay, he's like the, in the center of this. Okay? And, and next. Next one is breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate protected the major organs of the body. Okay? If the enemy tries to slice you, um, then the armor would... Um, protect you. It'll guard you, right? Notice that this breastplate is your righteousness. And we've heard this word before, righteousness. Loma Linda Church, what is righteousness? Or should I say, who is our righteousness? What does the Bible say? We are called or considered righteous in Jesus. There's no way we can create or produce righteousness. It's through Jesus. Amen? Okay, so who's the breastplate of of righteousness? Jesus Christ. Next. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We all know what the feet fitted with the readiness refer to. This has to do with the footwear, so it's obviously uh, Nike Jordans, right? So that's what the Bible is talking about. Come on. It's obvious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the footwear, the footwear in the battle refers to the foundation of your movement. Okay? In your battle, if you're slipping all over in the battle, you're done for. So it's saying in your battles, the foundation should be Feet fitted with the readiness which comes from the gospel of peace. Now, Loma, you tell me what is the center of the gospel? Or should I say who is the center of the gospel? Who is it? It's Jesus. Amen. Next. The shield of faith. In battle, it was common for the enemy to shoot flame-tipped arrows that would not only cause injury, but also arouse panic and fear. So your shield would like start burning, right? And then you're tempted to drop the shield. But what this is saying is you trust the shield. You trust the shield and you do not panic or you do not fear. You do not give in to anxiety. You do not give in to fear. Faith simply means to believe in God. When we 
let fear take over, when we let anxiety consume us, it is an indication that you've lowered your shield of faith. Next, helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. One of the most important armors to protect ourselves from the enemy is the helmet. You can have broken leg, okay? Um, you can have an arrow pierce your shoulder. It's going to hurt, right? But you can recover from it. But if you have a head injury, it'll be very difficult to recover. Uh, this is the reason why when you ride bicycle, you wear helmet. I mean, some of you wear like guards all over too, but they're useless. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Satan wants us to focus on ourselves. Okay? My bad habits, my addiction, uh, my lack of faith, uh, my problems, my issues, my sins. When we look at ourselves, there's no way that I would be saved. Our salvation is assured through Jesus. We are perfect in Jesus, not because we're perfect, but because he is perfect. It is very interesting to me that one of the most prominent things that most Seventh-day Adventists struggle with is the assurance of salvation. Somebody from our church actually came to me. Uh, actually, that individual did not really grow up in Adventist uh, community, but said um, he was talking to a lot of people at our church and then they talked about the assurance of salvation. And he was so shocked because most people in his group could not say, oh yeah, I am saved. Most people did not have the assurance of salvation. Do you know why? Do you know why we lack the assurance of salvation? Because as Adventists, a lot of us focus so much on our good deeds. Do I go to the Bible studies? Do I read the Bible? Do I go to church on Sabbath? A lot of doctrines. Do I get all the 28 of them? So much of our faith is focused on doctrines and our works. We forget the most important thing. And that is our salvation is guaranteed in Jesus Christ. Guaranteed in Jesus Christ. It's not anything I've done. It's not anything you've done. It's everything about what he had done on the cross. So we triumph at the cross. This is so important, right? The helmet of salvation. That's how we go to the battle. Knowing that we are, we're okay. Next, the sword of the Spirit. This is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. Um, it's been all about protecting and defending so far. Uh, this is how we execute offense, okay? You know how we execute offense? We don't. 
We let the Spirit do it. The Spirit is our offensive coordinator. Okay? We just let the Spirit take over. Um, did you notice this whole armor of God? Actually, the, in the, the, center, the central figure is actually Jesus Christ. If you fight Satan, Loma in the church, you will lose. You will. Think about it. If David fought Goliath without God, right? He would have been killed. Easily. But David did not fight Goliath with his own sword and armor, did he? He said, you are coming to fight against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I am coming against you in the name of the Lord who rules over all. He had the armor of Jesus. Who has the stronghold in your life? Is it sin? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Is it Satan? Or is it Jesus? In order for the Spirit to have a stronghold in our lives, we need to talk and walk with Jesus each and every day. Satan and the evil force of this world will try to mess it up and discourage us, right? Hurting us, wounding us. All we need to do is just keep on holding onto Jesus. I know the title of today's sermon made it look like we're going to talk about Lucifer or Satan, a.k.a. the devil. But no, the focus is always Jesus. Many of you know I love playing tennis. Um, I'm getting better, okay? I'm getting better. Um, <clears throat> I'm finding out how to win games now. Okay, so I told you before that the very first tournament I went, I lost every single game, 6-0, nothing. Okay, it was really humbling and humiliating experience. Um, I figured out how to win. The way to win in tennis is play doubles. Okay? <laughs> Play doubles and play with somebody really good. I figured it all out. There is a, in our group, in our group, there is a guy, uh, there's a man, our coach, Coach Pastor Robin. He, he taught all of us how to, how to play. And you know how we win? If you want to win, just make sure he's your partner. You know what I mean? Like, Every time we play, if, if he's on your side, you're more likely to win every game, all day. Can you imagine I'm playing um, tennis and all of a sudden, Roger Federer shows up? Can you imagine, like, he comes and like, hey, Richard, how are you? How are your kids? Like, hey, man, Roger, good to see you. Are you retiring soon? You know, we're buddies. Anyway, um, 
And we play tennis. And what if he's my partner? How am I gonna lose? Right? Come on! I'm gonna win every single game. I just like have to like, like, give him the whole court <laughs> because if I get involved too much, I might lose. Uh, so I'm just gonna let Roger Federer take over the game, and then I'm gonna win every single. In our spiritual journey, the foundation is that we play doubles. We play doubles with Jesus. Make sure Jesus is on your side and He is your partner. You're gonna win every battle. You're gonna want to like take over and lose a few, a few games, okay? But you wanna win the match. Let Jesus take over. Do not fight alone. Let Him take over. Play doubles with Jesus. The best way to deal with our battles against our enemy is to trust God. Have faith in Jesus. Depend fully on the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the for your presence in our lives, for the gift of Jesus Christ, and for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We do have an enemy, but we're not scared. We know the way to win, and that is to have you on our side, trust you. Play doubles with Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen.